And now, courtesy of the 11L Network, it's LF Midwood. LF Midwood. And the Midwood Files. With the LF Midwood Experience. Here on Radio New York International. My name is LF Midwood. Um, if you hear any thunder, uh, it's because it's raining. It's actually been raining for the last 24 hours. Uh, it doesn't rain often in Texas, but apparently when it does rain, it really rains. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not building an ark or nothing, but I would like you all to be aware of the fact that there could be some noise in the background. Uh, that being said, uh, it's good to be back. I took a week off last week. Um, Mainly because um, it just got away from me, quite frankly. You know, for a guy, again, who doesn't have m- much to do, got a lot of little death-by-a-thousand-cut things going on. Um, so uh, that being said, um, I uh, decided to to, uh, to do something late on uh, Wednesday, hopefully get this up for Thursday morning. Um, I'm still working out um, recording and editing um, using basically just my uh, tablet and uh my laptop and it seems to be seems to be working out all right um the last show i think ran like an hour and 45 minutes so i'm definitely going to look to keep it to an hour tonight uh one um i don't think you have the attention span and two i don't think i have the attention span <laughs> you know that being said um i'll do the best i can to kind of kind of have it uh dense <laughs> that's the word i'm looking for dense um as far as uh things around here, I mean, again, you know, still adjusting. It's a process, uh, as they say. I'm still uh trying to uh get my ID together, enough of uh, you know, ID and uh proof of residence and all that stuff together to be able to uh to get my Texas uh non-driver's ID. And then once I get that, I can uh I can start to uh apply for my Medicaid. Um and uh, which is good because uh, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, I'm out of psych meds entirely, which is I would say is a new experience because I've obviously obviously gone uh, you know years and years and years uh, unmedicated. And uh, but I I think being level for so long you know and artificially so, um, I think um, when uh, that goes away, you start to get like a little. It's weird. Let's just say it's weird. Um, I have a doctor's appointment on uh, Monday, I believe Monday morning. This was a referral from one of my last trips to the ED for my uh, for my wound, where my uh, friggin' uh, surgical drain was. And um, they apparently um, are going to be dealing with me on a low-income basis, which is great because that's exactly what I am, uh, being on SSI. And... Uh, they should be able to treat me and have me as a patient, even though I don't have my Medicaid in place yet, which is good news. 
I'm going to see about getting a psych referral from them as well. They have psych services. And uh, so hopefully I'll be on the path to uh, medicated normalness, for lack of a better term, really soon. But I don't I don't feel too bad. Like I said, I'm okay. I mean, you know, I don't find myself other than, you know, trying to get things into place uh, and a lot of things that are, for lack of a better term, beyond my control. And I recognize that as such. And I guess that puts me ahead of the game. Um, I don't really have... Um, I don't really have a lot of problems at the moment. I mean, I'm just kind of skating along. Uh, that being said, I did pull some news, and uh, I want to get to that. And um, we'll uh, we'll get down to business as usual. Um, try to time this so I know what time it is. What time is it? Okay, I know what time it is. Uh, I just pulled some uh, random news stories as normal, or as as per norm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything like ginormous big. I think, um, obviously, there were two primaries this week, uh, President Trump winning both. Um, so, uh, that's, uh, let me talk about that. Let me talk about Nikki Haley. Not for nothing. And this is out of, uh, I always like to say where I'm reading, uh, get my news from. This is out of, uh, conservativebrief.com. Uh, Nikki, Vi- <clears throat> Nikki Haley vows to stay in race, uh, Nikki Haley vows to stay in race after Trump landslide win in New Hampshire. Um, let me get to the text line. Nikki Haley is refusing to drop out of the 2024 presidential race after former President Donald Trump's decisive victory in New Hampshire on Tuesday night. Haley spoke to supporters after the race was called and vowed to stay in the race until the end, despite losing both Iowa and New Hampshire, while also trailing big in Nevada and South Carolina which is her home state, by the way. They don't even like her there. They don't even like the little brown girl there. Um, Haley claimed, uh, let's see, uh, Haley claimed she had a path forward. Hmm. Haley acknowledged her defeat, but was adamant that we keep moving up. I want to congratulate, congratulate, because I just made a word up. (laughs) I want to congratulate Donald Trump, she said, before knocking the political class for saying the race is over. With Donald Trump, Republicans have lost almost every competitive election. We lost the Senate. We lost the House. We lost the White House. We lost 2018. We lost in 2020. We lost in 2022, Haley declared. The worst kept secret in politics is how badly the Democrats want to run against Donald Trump. Haley claimed adding a Trump nomination is a Biden win and a Kamala Kamala Harris uh, president. Our fight is uh, not over because we have a country to save, Haley stressed. New Hampshire is the first in the nation. It's not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. And the next one is my sweet state of sweet Car- of, uh, of South Carolina. This is the same state. Like, yeah, we'll dialogue here. Uh, this is the same state that um, she was uh, basically uh, knocking uh, for being racist uh, and uh, not allowing her to participate in a beauty contest when she was uh, an 11-year-old child, apparently. Um, there's been no uh, verification that that incident ever occurred, but it sounds really good, doesn't it? So, but she was basically knocking them as as prejudiced and racist people, and now she's going back expecting to them to come out and vote for her. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Haley. Um, let's see. Uh, she also noted she got the close half of the vote. She got close to half the vote. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not enough though. During the campaign event before Tuesday's primary election in New Hampshire, Haley told the crowd in Seabrook that the Republican primary 
is now between herself and former President Donald Trump. Haley also vowed to stay in the race after New Yorker or New Hampshire primary, which polling shows uh, she will lose to Trump. Um, she heard that Ron DeSantos had dropped out of the race, right? That did happen earlier this week. Um, I want to say to Ron, he ran a great race. He's been a good governor and we wish him well. Having said that, it's one fella and one lady left, Haley told the crowd. Just days before the New Hampshire primary, DeSantos endorsed Trump and withdrew from the Republican uh, presidential race in 2024. Uh, Tim Scott has also endorsed Pump, uh, Trump uh, as well. Uh, the Florida governor took to X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, uh, social media platform, and it says formerly known as Twitter. It's really interesting. Uh, and made the announcement. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask for supporters to volunteer their time and don donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am spending my campaign, uh, suspending my campaign, said Ron DeSantos, who was distant third to the single digits in the latest post in New Hampshire. Uh, it's clear to me that the majority of Republican primary voters uh, do not want to give Donald Trump another chance. Uh, want to give Donald Trump another chance. Thank you. They watched his presidency get smithed by relentless resistance and they see Democrats using lawfare to this day to attack him. I signed a pledge to support Republican nom nominee, and I will honor that pledge to Santos added. So that's interesting. Um, he's young. You know, that's one thing you gotta got to say about Ron DeSantos is uh, he's not anywhere near old, uh, which means that uh, there, there'll be more than a few opportunities ahead uh, to, uh, to get into the White House, whether it be running as president or for president, um, and or uh, a vice president situation for sure, you know, and again, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I don't, uh, I don't wish him ill per se. I, I think some of his uh, supporters had severe case of uh, Trump derangement syndrome, and I think that really showed. Uh, but I, I think um, you'll be surprised um, how uh, readily they are welcome back, welcome, <laughs> welcome, <laughs> no, we're not welcome around here. Walk back, uh, welcome back into the, uh, into the fold. Uh, do I have anything else on, uh, no, 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 I don't think I do on that. All right, we'll move on to, um, something out of Newsmax. Experts testify, expert testifies in court, Dominion voting systems easily hackable. Well, I think we know this to be true. Um, a voting systems expert testifying in Georgia in a Georgia trial last week demonstrated that Dominion voting system machines were so easily hackable that he could use a big pen and a smart card to copy, edit, and change votes in seconds, according to the Law 360 Pulse, which is covering the trial. Uh, Professor J. Alex Haldeman of the University of Michigan, an author of a highly publicized report detailing deficiencies in Dominion's voting machines, testified at an Atlanta trial Thursday in the case, in a case filed in 2017 against the state of Georgia. The suit was originally filed by the Coalition of Good Governance, a libertarian activist group which claimed uh, the state's use of voting machines, which include touchscreen computers to catch ballots without the benefit of a verifiable or printable ballot, made the voting counts susceptible to manipulation. Uh, after the suit, Georgia election officials changed their voting vendor in 2022 Dominion voting systems, which also used a, see it still says change it to Dominion, uh, Dominion 
which also uses a touchscreen ballot, but provides voters with a paper ballot containing a QR code containing their vote information. The good governance suit, however, asked a federal judge in order to Georgia. I'm going to try this again. A good governance suit, however, asked a federal judge to order Georgia to stop using Dominion since they claim their machines remain vulnerable to attack. The suit also claimed that Dominion machines offer voters a paper QR that cannot easily be read to verify the accuracy of their vote. Haldeman, who wrote a 96-page report in July 2021, began his demonstration before the U.S. District Court Amy Tottenberg in Atlanta by asking plaintiff's attorney to borrow a pen. Uh, 360 Law 360 Pulse reported. The professor then inserted the pen into the Dominion voting machine, held it there for a few seconds, which caused the machine to reboot into safe mode, according to Haldeman. Haldeman then explained that a person could copy or change files on the voting machine, change its operating settings, or install malware. Uh, Haldeman said accessing the terminal emulator could allow users to bypass the computer's normal security settings and obtain super user status, something that allows a person to read, monitor, and change anything, including ballots, on the voting machine with no limits, Law 360 Pulse reported. All it takes is five seconds and a big pen. Haldeman also inserted a $10 smart card into the machine. He said such smart cards can be programmed to replicate cards used by poll workers, voters, technicians to access voting machines. The poll worker and the voter card can be used countywide to print as many ballots as you would like. Well, plaintiff's attorney played a video taken outside the courtroom showing Haldeman using a UBS flash drive to alter votes in a way undetectable to voters. The trial, which began on January 9th, uh, was over a case filed in 2017 by several voters in the Coalition for Good Governance against members of the State Election Board and then Republican Secretary Brian Kemp. Judge Schottenberg from the U.S. District Court in, northern, in the Northern District of Georgia and sister to NPR's Nina Tottenberg is expected to issue a ruling in the late spring or early summer. Tottenberg was appointed by then-President Barack Obama. Hmm. The plaintiffs say they are not disputing any election results in Georgia and their case is unrelated to the 2020 election and the defamation lawsuits brought by Dominion, uh, CBS News reported. After the 2020 uh, election, Dominion claimed it was defamed by several parties, including Fox News, Newsmax, ONN, and several individuals. In the April of 2023, Fox News settled its litigation with Dominion, paying the voters firm $787 million. Wow. Dominion's litigation against the court in Newsmax is ongoing. Newsmax has stated that it acted within the bounds of media organization to support the public claims of, presidential, uh, of President Donald Trump and his lawyers. Uh, Newsmax, okay. At the time, Newsmax reported that Dominion had denied all claims by Trump and his team. During this period, Newsmax asked Dominion to appear on its network to re uh, rebut claims made by the president, but Dominion declined to do so. In a democracy, there can be no more issues of importance. There can be no more issue of for important public discussion than the reliability of voting the company's technology in the current Georgia's Trial underscores that fact with the vulnerability of the Dominion's voting systems. Machines and mythology remain highly uh, concerning and of ongoing public interest, Newsmax said in a statement. 
Dominion's lawsuit against Newsmax is nothing more than a political effort to squelch free speech and a free press, Newsmax said. Uh, the network also noted that Dominion's voting systems had been controversial before the 2020 election. And even in the focus of HBO documentary Kill Chain, the cyber war on Americans' elections. In early 2020, doc, the, the early 2020 documentary alleged that Dominion's machines were hackable and did not offer a viable, uh, a verifiable audit of votes. In the Georgia case, Tartenberg already agreed with plaintiffs that the direct recording of electronic voting machine system was outdated and highly susceptible to manipulation and malfunction, Courthouse News Service reported. In August 2019, she ordered the state to update the election system that had been used since 2002 ahead of the 2020 primaries. Uh, current state, current Georgia State Secretary Brad Raffensperg, Raffensperg, Sperg, uh, entered a nearly seven, $107 million contract with Dominion to install new ballot counting devices that record votes in public, both in the, both in the software and in the printed QR barcode. Raffsburgers, gotta get that right, uh, continued to stand by the integrity of Dominion's uh, voting software and systems. Well, what was he gonna do? He, he obviously signed the contract. You know, he, he can very well turn around and say, oh, uh, this is broken. I made a serious mistake. doesn't work like that. I find it interesting um, how uh, they're able to uh, pretty much uh, have paper ballots in a lot of places in this world uh, where uh, elections are held. And they're able to count those paper ballots and they're able to get a uh, accurate number. Uh, within a very, very reasonable amount of time. Uh, and, uh, I mean, while, you know, elections can be stolen regardless, witness 2020, um, I, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think that having, um, hackable machines, uh, used or put into play, uh, or is really going to uh, help public confidence uh, in the least bit, not for nothing, and and not for nothing. I don't. I really. I'm, I'm at that point in my life now, especially after 2020, where uh, I don't. I don't really know if I could believe the results of anything anymore. I really, honestly, don't. You know, uh, it's it's heartbreaking <laughs> to say the least. You know, um, if it weren't for the fact uh, that. People have uh, gone to uh, gone to war and died to protect my rights. Uh, one of which uh, is uh, the right to vote. Uh, I probably would just basically totally give up. I'd be honest with you. I would just totally be done. And I know a lot of people who don't vote. I mean, I would go so far as to say most people I know do not vote. Um, they're just, uh, you know. I guess you get the government. You deserve in, in a larger sense. I don't think people, you know, they live in their small little lives. Um, I don't think people really have a larger sense of uh, of how much their participation actually matters. Uh, the more people who are watching, the less likely something uh, it can be foisted upon us. Notice I said less likely, not totally impossible. Yeah. That being said.
Uh, let's see what else do I have. Okay. This is interesting. Uh, this is uh, out of the Washington Examiner. Uh, time will tell if Trump can end war in Ukraine, says Russia's Larvov. A Russian foreign minister, Sergei Larvov, Lav- Lavrov, <laughs> thank you, Lavrov, uh, predicted that uh, Ukraine would resist Donald Trump's insistence on ending the war with Russia in the event that the former president returns to the White House. Time will tell, Lavrov said. Uh, where is it? Time will tell. Uh, time will tell. Lavrov told reporters as the United uh, at the United Nations. I doubt the Ukrainians will be prepared to agree with any kind of settlement. Uh, Trump's stated confidence that he will end the war overnight if reelected drew anxious response from President, um, from Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, who acknowledged last week his worry that Trump would try to dictate the outcome. Uh, outcome. Lavrov uh, would try to dictate the outcome. Lavrov, who characterized Zelensky as relatively rude when he commented on Trump's comments, maintained uh, an agnostic outlook on Trump's boast. That's an interesting term. Uh, Yeah, I've heard actually President Trump say that more than a few times. I've heard him say that it certainly would not have occurred, uh, meaning the the Russia's war with Ukraine. Uh, if he had uh, remained in the White House in uh, in 2020, and I've heard him say that you know, given uh, putting getting the parties into a room and talking with uh, them, he'd be able to have the war ended in uh, short order. And uh, I don't necessarily disbelieve that to be true. Um, it's interesting how the uh, war in Ukraine uh, has uh, taken a uh, backseat uh, as far as public consciousness goes uh, and awareness uh, in lieu of. Uh, Israel and uh, it's uh, it's uh, war uh, on Hamas or with Hamas. Um, I uh, yeah, I really don't. Uh, you know, I I, I think it's hard for a day to go by reading news where you're not uh, you know reminded of uh, the uh, situation in. Uh, oh my sinuses are bugging me. Hang on, just a sec. <laughs> Uh, well, you're not, ooh, hey, oh, I see my nose on, on cam, uh, when you're not, um, friggin', ooh, ugh, my sinuses are like, oh, not good, not good, all right, much better, uh, I can't, I can't breathe, and, you know, I, one thing I notice about being back in Texas is, um, you're either running, um, air conditioning all the time. And, you know, we have central here or uh, you're running heating when it does get cold. And it was actually colder here last week uh, for a couple of few days than it was back east for sure. But uh, I find I, I get a lot of dry skin and I have to start um, using some sort of some sort of lotion or something because I'm just I feel like I'm I feel like I'm melting. <laughs> Not quite melting, but I do feel as if my skin is drying. Um. So, uh, yeah, I would. uh I uh I don't know uh I don't know what the deal is with these hostages and getting if these hostages or how many of these hostages that Hamas is holding is coming back alive at this point in time and I'm not sure how much of it is really a priority to Israel at this point in time as well. Um I think uh, for the most part I think uh the world is starting to get a little bit um 
a little bit tired of uh, Israel and the idea of how many civilians are being killed uh, in uh, in Palestine, you know, in Palestine and in Gaza Strip, uh, in particular. Uh, that being said, uh, I don't necessarily believe that uh, that people are going to uh, continue to uh, to you know. I I don't think they're going to become anti-Semitic overnight. And I you know, and and I'm not talking about this from an anti-Semitic standpoint. Um, I'm talking about this from the the from a, the standpoint of that you know, there's only so much. Um, that uh, Israel can uh, can get away with, for lack of a better term, uh, if it didn't have American support. And to a large degree, I think if more pressure were put on the Biden administration, I think that they would be able to to rein in uh, some of uh, some of Israel's, uh, for lack of a better term, aspirations. Because you know, I've I've read all sorts of things as of late where you know, they're talking about taking the strip, Gaza Strip back over, occupying it, and just not giving it back, is, is what it comes down to. Uh, and I'm not even, you know, I'm not even sure that that's legal. <laughs> I'm not even, as far as international law goes, I'm not even 100% sure. Um, but I, I can say that, you know, people are getting a little tired of uh, of Israel. And people are also, just to do the flip side of that, people are also getting a little bit tired of these pro-Palestinian protesters um, who... Prior to October seventh, or more accurately, um, prior to uh, um, Israel's uh, response to October seventh, um, really didn't have much to say uh, in regards to the Palestinian issue. And, you know, there's a lot of college students out there apparently who have nothing better to do with their time and see this as their "quote unquote" Vietnam War, uh, and it gives them an opportunity to make a difference, matter, and be counted. You know. But at the end of the day, um, they really don't have an understanding, a, a deeper understanding of, of what's been going on in the region for the last 65 years, 75 years, somewhere in there. Since the British left, since, since yeah, since the English left, I, I guess would, would give or take, uh, since Israel has been uh, a, uh, was a, was granted recognition by the UN in, uh, in 47. Um, all right, so... What else? Uh, da, 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 da. It's all political stuff. It usually is with me. I was looking for something a little lighter. Usually I'd see if I can find something reasonably light, but it's hard these days. It, it's 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 uh the news is it's tough stuff. It's tough stuff. Uh all right, so this is uh, out of the hell. Immigration overtakes inflation as top voter concern, Paul says. And that's really kind of interesting though. You know, in light of the fact that uh, it's famously said that um, people usually vote um, with their uh, pocketbooks, you know, and as long as uh, they're able to put food on the table, everything else will come second to that. So this article kind of flies in the face of that. But it, again, the immigration problem is so huge and the border crisis is so huge um, that, uh, you know, it, so many Americans are affected. You know, I was uh, it, reading this week. Um, I'm a uh, a fan of um, Porn Stars, uh, which is the uh, the show on History Channel um, about the gold and silver uh, porn shop in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Rick Harrison, uh, who owns the place, his uh, son Adam died of a, a friggin' uh, a fentanyl overdose, and he was uh, on several outlets uh, 
talking about the fentanyl crisis and, and how it ties directly into the border, what's going on at the border and stuff coming over the border and how this administration has basically failed this country. Uh, and it's it's really interesting, though, even in the midst of his grief, that he's able to be focused enough um, to look at that and and be able to trade and raise co- uh, public consciousness on it. I, you know, I give him a little credit for that. And then it's sad that his kid died. Um, all right. So as I was saying, this is out of the help. Immigration overtakes inflation as top voter concern poll says. Okay, I lost my page. Come on. Come on. Very unhappy. I'm using my phone. I'm re- actually reading from my phone. Normally I read from my tablet while I'm in front of my computer. Now I'm reading from my phone while I'm recording on my tablet. So anyway. Uh, many voters pointed to immigration than inflation as the top policy concern in January, according to Harvard Caps Harris poll released Monday. Several found this, uh, the survey found that 35% of respondents listed immigration as their paramount concern among an array of issues, with inflation a close second, uh, named by 32% of the respondents. Immigration skyrocketed uh, as an issue, jumping 7% points in the last. Uh, compared to the previous month's poll. Uh, immigration and inflation were followed by economy and jobs, although I would consider Im- um, inflation to be tied into the economy, but what do I know? Um, listed as a uh, top concern by 25% of those surveyed, while crime and drugs and healthcare were listed by 16% of respondents. The deficit in national security... Uh, each by 14% of the respondents, and corruption, corruption, it's just corruption, hmm. corruption and the environment were named by 13% of people surveyed. Yet inflation was by far the most cited topic by respondents asked what issues affect them personally. Okay, so that makes sense. Uh, twice as many respondents, 38%, said inflation affected them directly, then 17% who cited immigration who obviously feel that affects them directly. Interesting. The number of respondents who said immigration impacted them directly grew by 3% points from the previous survey. Crime and climate change were cited by 10% of the respondents, each as affecting them directly, while abortion and racial equality were cited by 7% of the respondents. The uh, pivot to immigration mirrors both a political environment uh, turning into uh, border policy as a core issue and a reduction in inflation that somewhat deflated the political cloud of that issue. Yeah, I believe it did come down slightly this month or uh, in December. I read uh, read that somewhere today. Uh, both issues uh, at the tip of the Republican spear and attacks against President Biden, who was facing a re-election run with dangerously low approval numbers. Yeah. According to the Harris X poll, Biden's approval in January held at 42%, stuck in the low 40 doldrums that's been the norm for the better part of two years, count them, two years, that despite inflation objectively slowing from its year-to-year peak of 9.1% in June of 2002 to 3.4% in December, blunting that line of attack, uh, meaning taking that talking point away from the Republicans, uh, Republicans and some Democrats, like big city uh, mayors, have kept immigration in the headlines, communicating a sense of crisis that's taken hold among a large segment of the population. You know, what's taken hold among the large segment of the population in inner cities is um, a lot of these sanctuary cities. Uh, It would appear that um, 
Governor Abbott's um, strategy of sending uh, illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, uh, I, I guess that's, I like the term alien because that's what they are. They're alien. They're illegal aliens. Um, has uh, kind of overloaded. It's like that Clevin Privet theory thing in the 60s where there was this thing about overloading the system. If you overload the system, it will collapse. Um, that's basically what's happening in, in these uh, in, inner cities, you know, and Chicago talks a big game. New York talks a big game. Los Angeles, all these big inner cities. And they talk these huge, oh, we're sanctuary cities. And I know Providence, where I used to live in a sanctuary city. Um, and yet, uh, when we actually started sending, you know, or I should say when Governor Abbott started sending uh, bus loads and then plane loads for a little bit there, and now I think he's back to bus loads, um, the liberals in these cities are starting to get upset because services are being affected. And, you know, every, they're, they're all for whatever, you know, whatever they think they're for until such time as it turns into a real thing and it starts to affect them. You know, uh, they're, I, I know in some places they're, they're using schools and, and various other government buildings that would normally be used for students to attend classes that are not being done. They're not attending classes uh, because these uh, illegals have been given the space, if you will. Uh, I know uh, it's... It's really bad. And it's it's really kind of, I got to honestly say, it's kind of cool to see from the standpoint of that, why should Texas have to take the brunt of it all? You know, I, I don't understand why the, why the state of Texas should have to be the only, you know, and in, in I guess the other border states um, should have to be the only states in the country that are taking the brunt of what's going on uh, as far as the crisis and how many people are coming over, you know, and the fact that the, the catch and release does not work uh, and never has, you know, Um with any hope, um, you know, when President Trump is reelected uh, next year, uh, or I guess this year, later this year, uh, we'll uh, we'll get back to building that wall, you know, and get that wall fixed up, and you know, stop this catch and release bullshit, and make them wait in Mexico, you know, and then we'll see how many people want to come over the border when they when they have to find out that they have to wait in Mexico for their court hearing, rather than get released into the wild and uh, and not make their court date. Mm-hmm. That'll be good to see. Anyway, although those encounters have remained high throughout the Biden presidency, they've also been more or less stable since fiscal 2022, where this is getting back to um, the poll and uh, inflation uh, and immigration being more of a concern than inflation. Just to reiterate, uh, in fiscal 2023, officials reported uh, 2,475,669 encounters. The first reported numbers of fiscal 2024 show similar if slightly higher numbers, uh, in October and November. Okay. Homeland Security officials said encounters lulled in January, though official numbers have not been reported, in keeping with expected seasonal fluctuations. Uh, but a broad majority of voters say they believe immigration at the border is a worsening problem. According to the poll, 64% of the respondents said conditions at the border are getting worse, while 23% said they're staying the same. Only 13% said conditions are improving at the border. And, and I, I don't, it's kind of weird that you would be asking people what they think is happening at the border when they're not at the border. <laughs> you know, you know, the narrative of what's going on there is, uh, is shaped by the, you know, by the mainstream media, uh, whether it be uh, CNN, MSNBC, or even Fox for that matter. Uh, and, uh, 
that's all, uh, what's the word? You can, that's all jukeable. I said juke, not ju, juke, jukeable. <laughs> Meaning, you know, they can report that any way they want and give any sort of impression that they want. And then people will have, an, I guess that their limited understanding of what's going on at the border will come from something that most likely isn't even true. It's just a narrative. So somebody else's narrative. Um, additionally, 68% of respondents said the administration should make it tougher to get the United States illegally. And 32% said current border policies should remain. Broad uh, majorities of Republicans and independents, 85% and 71% respectively, want to see tougher border enforcement. But Democrats are split 50-50 on whether they'd like to see that. Sure, because um, they're uh, basically uh, friggin'... Um, you know, undocumented, uh, undocumented voters or undocumented Republicans, or excuse me, wow, undocumented um, friggin' uh, Democrats. You know, they're they're assuming that these people will become citizens and uh, and vote Democrat. You know, that's what they're assuming. That's what they always assume. Not for nothing. You know, it used to be, oh, the Republicans want cheap labor. Well, the uh, Democrats want uh, many votes. Many as many votes as they can get. Hey, Spatsy just came in. Let me close this door. Try to keep the door closed as much as I can. Um, I think next week's show I'm going to try and do actually in the new studio. We'll see. Um, I have yet to uh, set my green screen up, so I'm a little hesitant. But I may just uh, try and uh, do it that way because it's it's probably a lot more comfortable for me. Um, I'm I'm still literally. It's the bedwood files because I'm still literally lying in bed. Um, I uh, I wish there were a way. Oh, there is. Okay. Oh, look at that. Okay. I just realized something. Oh, and I was just about to say something and I'm like, yeah, there is. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else do we have uh, as far as I thought I had something else as far as uh, friggin' uh, immigration. Uh, all right. Hang on. This is uh, out of the Gateway Pundit. Uh, showdown. Governor Abbott holds the line, invokes te- Texas's constitutional constitutional authority to defend itself against lawless Biden regime. There we go. Governor Greg Abbott invoked Texas's constitutional authority to defend itself against the lawless Biden regime. Abbott escalated his fight against Joe Biden on Wednesday after the U.S. Supreme Court sided with the Biden regime and allowed Border Patrol agents to remove razor wire installed on the Texas-Mexico border. It's a full statement from uh, Governor Abbott. The executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws, on the books right now, reads the statement. President Biden has instructed his agencies to ignore federal statutes that mandate the detention, excuse me, detention of illegal immigrants. The failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article 4 has triggered Article 1 and 10, Clause 3, which reserves to the state the right of self-defense. For these reasons, I have already declared an invasion under Article 1 and 10, Clause 3, to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. That authority is supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. Uh, the Texas National Guard on Tuesday responded to the Supreme Court's ordering order 
allowing the Biden regime to cut, remove razor wire installed during the southern border, on the southern border by installing more razor wire. That's excellent. Uh, Governor Greg Ravitt previously installed about 30 miles of razor wire at the Texas-Mexico border near Eagle Pass to stop the flood of illegal aliens being let in by the Biden administration. In October, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit against the Biden regime regarding their cutting uh, razor wire at the border. The lawsuit made its way to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals after a federal judge sided with Biden. The appeal courts last month said agents could not cut the razor wire. In a 5-4 to four vote, the Supreme Court granted Biden's emergency request Monday afternoon. Conservative Justices Robert and Amy Coney sided with the liberals in granting Biden's regime's emergency request. Um, this is the ninth time that the Supreme Court has sided with the Biden regime out of 14 emergency applications. Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxton on Monday evening vowed to defy the Supreme Court's ruling on razor wire on the southern border. The Supreme Court's temporary order allows Biden to continue his illegal effort to aid the foreign invasion of America. The destruction of Texas border barriers will not help enforce the law or to keep American, American citizens safe. goes back to that uh, fentanyl and who knows what else the cartels are bringing over. And let's not even get into, into human trafficking, um, which all, which porous borders aid every single time. Uh, the fight is not over, and I look forward to defending our state's sovereignty, Ken Paxton said. Texas National Guard members respond to the U.S. courts order by installing more razor wire. Okay, I'm going to write that. So, yeah. Um, yay, Texas. Like I said, you know, I got to honestly say, um, it was... Uh, and, you know, those of you who are long-time um, freaking cat with this store, who are long-time uh, viewers, I guess, long-time uh, listeners, viewers, a little bit of both, um, know that uh, immigration was the uh, was really the, the turning point for me uh, when I lived in Dallas. Uh, I was I was pretty, I was liberal. I was still liberal uh, up until uh, probably my first year in uh, Dallas back in, I guess it would be um, 04. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, you know, when I actually started to see, you know, the effect uh, that illegal immigration was having uh, on the actual community that I lived in, I was like, hey, wait a second here, you know? And again, it, you know, very much like I was just referring to earlier uh, in the proceedings, I was uh, referring to uh, the uh, liberals in uh, these uh, inner cities, uh, these inner cities, uh, sanctuary cities, uh, who uh, are all for sanctuary cities until it starts affecting them personally. And then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, wait a second here. Uh, we can't do this. This is not right. Well, I was like that. And uh, that was my gateway. Immigration was my gateway to where I am now. And uh, I... Uh, I got to honestly say, you know, living where I'm living now, I really don't, I don't, I really don't notice it unless I go shopping or something, you know, I go into what we call town, which is actually uh, in Bastrop itself. Um, I, uh, I don't notice it because there's nobody on the freaking properties. It just doesn't, there's no reason for anybody to be on the freaking property. So they're not, you know, so in like, you know, it's the house and it's acreage and, uh, where, uh, you know, there's a there's a public access road that goes, you know, 
that's at the end of our driveway at about a, a quarter mile, right? And then you're you, on that road, if you go about a mile on that road, you hit a main highway, and then that main highway takes you into town. So I'm like a mile and, and a quarter from the friggin' highway, let alone um, how far I am from town. So I don't really, um, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty insulated and I don't go into Austin very often and I try to avoid that whenever possible, although I'm pretty sure for medical reasons, I'm going to have to start going in, um, on some level or some basis, I'm going to have to start going into Austin. Uh, but, um, I'm not super worried about that right now. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I, I probably noticed uh, more of an immigration problem in Providence where I lived, literally where I lived in Providence, than where I do now in Texas, but I'm also in Central Texas, you know, I'm not on the border. You know, those poor people in Eagle Pass are, uh, you know, they're dealing with every day, people just trouncing all, coming over the border, or coming in, you know, through the Rio Grande, trouncing all over their property and destroying stuff, and it's it's horrible. I mean, I, I, I would lose my mind if I had to live like that. So, I mean, you know, and you gotta remember, you know, there have been many attempts to turn Texas purple, for lack of a better term, and they haven't even been able to move that. You know, all the fucktards from California still haven't been able to uh, to turn Texas purple. You know, Austin is the most liberal part of Texas, uh, and I live an hour and change away from Austin. Um, the Austin City Council is a very liberal bent itself, let alone to legislate, you know, because it's the state capital, obviously. Um but they haven't been able to uh, to affect the rest of Texas. And you know, worry about stuff like that because, um, you know, younger people generally tend to be liberal. But uh, what happens here is um, a lot of the way of life and the way that they look at the world and, and, and literally livelihoods and whatnot, are, they're all, it's generational. So a lot of the conservatism that keeps Texas from becoming the next California, uh, is still very, 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 very strong. Um, this is like a whole other, a whole other place. I mean, I mean, in, in the sense of, uh, it's, it's, you know, someone for, for someone back East, it, it's, I mean, it's not just the temperature, man. Culturally speaking, this is a very, very, very different place. And, and it's really interesting because the culture of Mexico and the culture of Texas are intertwined in very many ways. I don't think there's been any question about that. You know, uh, the idea becomes uh, that uh, there's a difference between Mexican culture and Texas culture existing because there've always been there's always been that border and there's always been that commingling between that border, uh, and that's fine and well, you know. But when you have people coming from you know thousands of miles to the interior of Mexico. To come to America to exploit our resources, uh, that's a way, way, way different story. You know, um, I, I, I knew a lot of Mexican people, or you know, a fair amount of Mexican people. It's kind of hard to live in Texas and not know Mexican people and encounter Mexican people. Um, and I don't, I don't have any problems, you know, at all. If anything, I mean, I really feel bad in regards to um, the plight that the Mexican people uh, are in in Mexico, and you know, stuck between the government cartels and the Catholic Church. Uh it's um it's not somewhere that I would want to be. You know, again, they need a revolution. And um I think allowing massive immigration here uh 
it prevents that from happening. Quite frankly, it definitely prevents that from happening. We're like a little safety valve. You know, the pressure never builds up enough to explode to reach some sort of flashpoint because we allow them in illegally. And that takes the pressure off. They're able to use our resources to send money home. Uh, and and every, and it just kind of stays in this static kind of not good for anybody type situation. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. What else do I have? Do I have anything else pertaining to the border? I'm not even really sure. Uh, okay. So, I have. I will say one more time. You know, um, where I am now is a a major upgrade um, from where I was in Providence, as far as um, safety. You know, uh, and sense of well being. That's coming slow. You know, again, when dealing with getting myself established and, you know, getting my medical, uh, and the, uh, and the producer's medical all straightened up and, uh, you know, um, I got a couple of few things I need to get straight with social security that, that have been a bit troublesome because social security is social security, <laughs> you know, it's the government, the wheels of government move like super slow. Um, but once those things, uh, fall into place, um, you know, I, there's worse places to, to play out your hand, you know, to, to play the back nine, as they say. Because that's, I, I really do feel where I'm at. I mean, I'll be 54 in April. Um, I'm super ill. I, I'm never really recovered. Uh, you know, or I should say my recovery from my medical issues from last year are taking their time. You know, a lot of that has to do with my diabetes and, and whatnot. And, and and that's just a natural part of it. Um, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to stress that to all those people out there who, you know, do show interest and concern. Um, you know, be at ease. I'm okay. <laughs> that's it. You know, I don't know what else to say. I'm like, yeah. uh, what else do I have? Let's see. I thought this was interesting. Okay, yeah. This is out of uh, conservativebrief.com. Uh, and I'm a little concerned about this, but we'll see. Uh, in the article, uh, trucker convoy headed towards U.S.-Mexico border highlighting Biden's lax enforcement. Okay. A trucker convoy is preparing to head to several locations along the U.S.-Mexico border next week to draw more attention to President Joe Biden's lax immigration enforcement policies Republicans have blamed for millions of illegal crossings. Um, the issue is really coming to a head in Texas, where Governor Greg Abbott appears to be defying the administration and the U.S. Supreme Court by ordering his National Guard to erect razor wire barriers along sections of the border near Eagle Pass to staunch the flow of migrants. Uh, the U.S. convoy will emulate similar protest movements in Canada during the COVID uh, pandemic, where truckers gathered around government buildings in Ottawa and uh, border checkpoints to oppose the nation's strict vaccine mandates. In response to protests, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the nation's Emergencies Act to effectively declare a form of martial law leading to the clearing out of protesters by riot police and the arrest of leaders and the arrest of leaders who also had their banks accounts seized. A Canadian judge ruled earlier this week that Trudeau's evocation and use of the act was unlawful. How do you like that? 
Regarding U.S.-based convoys in reaction to the border crisis, trucker groups are scheduled to converge in San Ysidro, California, Eagle Pass, Texas, Yuma, Arizona, on February 3rd. Several meetup dates have been established for the upcoming days as truckers are anticipating to journey from as far as Jacksonville, Florida, to participate in the rallies. The Biden administration and the federal government are in violation of Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution reads the flyer for the Take Our Border Back convoy. That clause charges the federal government with protecting Americans from invasions. Um, okay. Ex- Exiting poll regarding what voters care about most during the Tuesday's primaries in New Hampshire does not bode well for President Joe Biden and his Democratic Party as they attempt to frame the issues heading into November's elections. Hmm. Uh, Earlier this week, the White House announced that Vice President Kamala Harris kicked off a nationwide fight for reproductive fight for fight for Reproductive Freedoms Tour in Wisconsin in the focus of being on ensuring wider access to abortion. Wider access to murder! Anyway. Freedom, I believe, is fundamental to the promise of Americans. And that includes the freedom to make decisions about one's own. I don't... How did I wind up on this article? Okay, White House. But according... uh, Okay, that's how I did. Okay. Uh, Her remarks in the White House's focus on abortion come after the U.S. Supreme Court last year overturned Roe v. Wade ruling that the issue should have always resided in the individual states, which is correct. It should have always resided in the individual states, and there should not have been a federal mandate for murder. Uh, But according to the exit polls done by CBS News during the New Hampshire primaries, the top issues for voters by by far are the illegal immigration crisis along the country's southern border and the economy. Uh, on the issues, the economy and immigration are top for the New Hampshire primary voters. These are the same that were important to Iowa GOP caucus voters. The outlet reported immigration is a driver, particularly for Trump voters. Yeah. So, yeah, we know this to be true. So that's interesting uh, about the convoy. Um, I had not been aware of um, the Texas or the um, Canadian Supreme Court finding uh Trudeau's uh, usage of uh, of the laws that he used uh, in order to suppress the uh, demonstrations uh, that they were illegal. That, that, that's crazy cool. <laughs> Not for nothing. That's really, really good news. Um, I don't know how many of those people are still incarcerated, uh, but I know uh, a lot of those people, again, having bank accounts seized, um, I, when you start affecting someone's livelihood and their ability to support their family, uh, you're asking uh, for serious trouble. So uh, hopefully they'll, uh, in short order, the, that money will be returned um, with some sort of interest and or penalties. Fuck it, it's not my money. It's Canada's money. Dipshits. Uh, what else do I have? Do I have anything else that's... Uh, what was this out of the post? Oh, okay. Uh, Ohio, and this is out of the New York Post. Um, I believe I had read uh, a story about this last show, which would have been two weeks ago. Read a lot of stories last, that's what I'm saying, an hour 45. I just totally lost track of time. But uh, Ohio Senate overrides Republican Mike De- DeWine. Oops. Okay. Stop doing it. Ohio Senate 
overrides Mike DeWine's veto of bill that would outlaw gender-changing services for minors, trans athletes, and women's sports. The Republican-controlled Ohio Senate on Wednesday voted to override Mike uh, Governor Mike DeWine's veto of a bill outlawing... Okay, I just read that. The, um, I hate when they give you the article. I guess they give you a little synopsis. And then the first paragraph of the article is pretty much verbatim exactly what that synopsis was. And it's like, somebody is not doing something right. Anyway. Uh, the override passed a 22-9 vote after Ohio House had earlier this month voted in favor of rescinding the Republican governor's veto. Um, Ohio's House Bill 68 prohibits doctors from prescribing hormones or puberty blockers for minors and from performing gender assignment surgeries on people under 18. The legislation also bars transgendered females from playing on high school and college sports teams consistent with their gender identity. Last December, DeWine voted the comprehensive bill after it passed the state legislation by wide margins, opting instead to issue an executive order that simply bans gender reassignment surgeries on minors. I think parents should make those decisions and not the government, DeWine76 said ahead of Wednesday's vote, according to the Ohio Capital Journal. He previously warned that the consequences of the bill could not be more profound when he voted the measure, excuse me, vetoed the measure. Ultimately, I believe this is about protecting human life, DeWine said. Many parents have told me that their child would not have survived, would be dead today, if it did not receive treatment they received from one of Ohio's children's hospitals. I've also been told that those who are now grown adults, by the, who are grown adults, uh, but for this care, they would have taken their life when they were teenagers. Republic, Republican State Senator Chris Ronig, Ronig, one of the bill's co-sponsors, argued that gender-affirming care has been a profit center for hospitals seeking to turn minors into permanent patients. They are men and there are women, and there are boys and there are girls, and they are different, Ronig said. On the Senate floor, gender is not fluid. There is no such thing as gender spectrum. Totally agreed. Um, this is a quite a profit center for those hospitals pushing these procedures to teenagers and children. She added, "They're not capable of making life-altering decisions." Democratic State Senator Bill Demora argued that the lives of transgendered youth will be destroyed as a result of the Senate's veto override. Instead of passing one dozen of bipartisan or no-nonsense bills that actually help Ohioans, the state decided to target trans youth by overriding HB 68, he said, said in a tweet. Lives were destroyed. Today. The Senate was given a rare opportunity to reflect after passing the bill, and it was wasted. A grandfather clause in the HB 68 will allow physicians already treating transgender patients to continue. The law will take effect this spring. Nothing. Nothing. I don't, I don't, it, it, it's insane that we would, we don't let minors vote. We don't let minors drink. We don't let minors drive motor vehicles. Why would we let minors make decisions that are life altering forever? See, oftentimes these kids are sold the idea by someone else that if they get this surgery and they get this treatment, that they'll become happy. They'll be happy. But many of them are finding that after all of it, they're not only are they not happy, but now, as the article stated, they are patients for life. There's some sort of medical treatment 
or maintenance required. And again, that's a boon for these hospitals. And it's 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 utterly irreprehensible. It's it's crazy. You know, and again, there's two genders. There's males and there's females. That you can't change your chromosome makeup. Your chromosome makeup is not negotiable. It's not interpretable. It is what it is. And anything else is mental illness. And that's it. End of story. And I don't feel that we should have to be put in a situation where we're allowing children who are not qualified, who who have not lived enough of life to understand the magnitude of the things that they're talking about. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. So kudos to uh, to the uh, Ohio Senate and friggin' uh, telling the uh, governor to take a walk. Uh, all right. Well, that being said, uh, I think I'm going to get out of here. It's uh, I'm running just about an hour, and like I said, I want to try and keep these going to an hour forward. Um, again, stay on uh, stay on the ball. I'll get one out every week, and uh, I did um, actually just as a, a short little. Um, I was in the shed where all my stuff is uh, last week for a little while. And uh, I was able to get some stuff and recover some things that have been helpful uh, towards getting my studio back up. Excuse me, back online, uh, but not everything. So again, it's, it's, a, it's a war of attrition, as they say. Uh, it's a process. And, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, everything's there. It's safe. It's dry. Um, you know, I don't know what else to say about that. And, you know, it just, uh, like I said, a little mobile tablet type setup. Yeah, it works for me. I mean, you know, at the moment, like I said, even, and like I said, next week, I'll see maybe if I can record something in the studio itself. Um, you know, the, uh, producer's using it obviously, uh, for her office. Uh, she's back to work and, um, She's uh she's basically in there all day, so I would have to make an appointment. I would have to make an appointment to get into the studio, uh, but I'll do so. Uh, and if I can't, then I'll, I'll be sitting here. Or I'm actually reclined. I'm I'm laying in bed, got the tablet in front of me, reading a little news, a little commentary, good stuff. Anyway, um, you know, thanks for imbibing. You know, again, um, always check lfmidwood.com to to see what's going on. I think what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start putting um, the video of the most recent week's show, make that available for one week on my website so that you can just go to my website and you can get the video or, or the audio. And um, after that, um, I'll rotate it out with whatever the newest one is so that I'm not accumulating a stack of video up on my website. And um, what I'll do is uh, obviously uh, rumble. Um, is uh, what I'll be using uh, for archiving uh, and uploading, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, uh, unless something changes. But anyway, uh, that's all that's going on. And, uh, you know, I thank you all for tuning in. And uh, I'll catch you next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Midwood Files on Radio New York International. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah.